Yo, what's up, Proper Football family? Welcome to the second episode of the Proper Football Podcast. And today, I got my boy Armand, who I've, I've known since probably, I would say, high school. and Like, like 13, 14? <laughs> 13, 14 is probably accurate. So pretty much today, what we're going to cover is, you know, his journey, you know, throughout his footballing career. And then, more importantly, his time playing for Espanol's Academy. Um, who were in La Liga at the time, and kind of just talk about you know the pros and pros and cons of playing in Europe, how someone from America can go from playing in America to Europe, and um, the difficulties that may ensue from that. And we'll touch on you know club soccer, college soccer, all that good stuff, and we'll just hear um, a little bit more about his story, and then obviously I'll be I'll be sw- speaking about my story as well as this is our first official podcast so um yeah so i'm going to go ahead and like explain to everyone you know your backstory and how you got into football and all that good stuff yeah so you know i uh grew up in los angeles california um since i was you know little since i could walk you know i was immediately intrigued by soccer because i had brothers that were playing and i would go see them on the weekends and and I'd love watching them play. So I figured, you know, I got to take a shot at the sport. And, you know, my my whole family watches soccer all the time when I was little and growing up and all that stuff. We still, you know, on the weekends watch EPL, La Liga, whatever you, whatever games are on together. And, you know, so I, I figured, you know, soccer would be something that I'd want to do. And I knew I had to get into a sport. So as soon as I was able to start walking, I was kicking a ball around and and uh, getting ready to start joining some teams at a young age, you know, at five, six years old, you know, they have some uh, youth teams out here that are like, you know, just some basic like beginners leagues and stuff like that. So, you know, I started out there and, um, you know, every game I'd be scoring, you know, I don't know how many goals a game and, you know, just blowing out teams completely. And I just had to, <laughs> I just had the natural ability. Just had to throw that I in know, there. <laughs> it's just natural ability to just put, put the ball in the back of the net I don't know what it was you know I just I just had to drive to just get to the goal and score every time you know I wouldn't I wouldn't pass to anyone when I was like five or six or seven you know not until like you know later when I joined some club teams but you know after like a season of you know this AYSO league this this slow league and people were telling my parents oh you should take in the club blah 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 and like you know my parents were talking to me about it I was like yeah like why not? If I could do it here, I could do it there. You know, if it's a better level, then it'll be good, you know? And at the time, I think I was seven or eight, and I joined this U10, U11 team or something, and by far the best player on that team, too. And I was just scoring goals left and right on on kids that were three, three years older than me or whatever. And then, you know, I eventually found a home uh, with a local club team around my area, and they were well-known in California, you know, one of the best clubs in California, one of the best clubs in the nation, ranked and all that. And you know, we every game, every tournament, we'd get to the final or, or win at, at least, you know, and I would be scoring every game practically still and, and be leading these teams. And, you know, at a young age, had a natural uh, natural ability to just score and lead teams and just be a natural leader. So, you know, I just my parents and I kind of knew like, you know, I, this is something that could be continuing for a long time, possibly through college to the pros and all that stuff. So you know, whatever path took me there, I was willing to take and, you know, years would go by and, you know, I'd still be scoring. And then I, you know, got into high school and in high school, you know, I was playing club and then uh, I decided to play um, 
high school soccer my sophomore year and I, I made varsity obviously and then you know that year we had like one of the best teams in California and you know it was the whole the whole starting lineup were seniors except for me and I was the only sophomore so I was the younger guy you know and I learned a lot from the older guys all the time you know I'd always play up I'd always play up up my age because like, you know the guys my age weren't good enough you know I'd always kick kill them you know like I'd always be scoring goals so like I, I needed new challenges and then playing playing varsity soccer you know it kind of like taught me you know to play against older guys to be more mature you know being around that level you know a lot of the seniors were going to d1 colleges so like being on that level you know it kind of told me and showed me what I had to what I had to do to get to that level or what what I what more I need what things I'm lacking to just fix and you know to get to at least the college level so you know playing that didn't, didn't sorry to cut you off but did, I'm pretty sure didn't you set a goal scoring record or something yeah, like that? yeah that and, was my senior year senior year I uh I set a goal scoring record at my school and for that season I had the most goals in California I think how much how many was so that? I had uh I want to say in 23 games I had 22 games, I had 43 goals and 22 assists. Jesus. So, like, bro. I think, like, we did uh, the math, and it was, like, 85% of the goals that came from my team came from me, either a goal or assist or something. <laughs> so, Jesus And I was, like, Christ. playing the false nine, and, like, you know, the coach at that time was, like, a really cool guy. You know, he, he's a guy that's known me since I was little, and, and you know, he kind of just let me do what I wanted on the field. And, and I kind of directed the whole team that whole season, even though – you know, we had our coach there, but I was kind of the captain and everything like that. And, uh, you know, I just – I had us playing what Barca played at the time, which was a 4-3-3 with uh, false nine. And pretty much uh, we weren't getting a goal unless it went through me, you know. And I, I knew it had to go through me because I – we weren't going to get a goal unless I, unless I created something because there was no one really else to step up at the time. Yeah. But, you know, back to my – Back to my sophomore year, leading up to um, my trip to Spain, I, um, you know, I had a really good year. I'd, I had a better year than you know our top goal scorer that went D one. I had a better year than another winger that went D one, and um, you know people started noticing, and I started getting letters from Division one colleges, like handwritten letters from UCLA, Stanford, all these big schools. But you know, obviously, I knew I didn't have the grades for it. And um, I, I knew I could have got into UCLA, but obviously not someone, something like Stanford. But, like, getting these letters already at such a young age, 15 years old, 16 years old, I'm thinking, okay, like, maybe, I, maybe if I'm getting this, like, getting these, uh, getting these letters and, and recognition at, you know, this age, I can make, maybe, like, make myself uh, bigger or make my name bigger in Europe or something like that. So... You know, I spoke to my parents after that one sophomore season, and I started asking them, you know, hey, do we know anyone in Europe that can, like, possibly get me there to an academy team? You know, like, I feel like that's that's the way to go. You know, I think that that'll be the best option for me, and I can really prove myself out there. And if I make it, you know, I'm going to stay there, and I'm going to go pro. And, you know, they, they were like, yeah, you know, we can make some calls. You know, my parents knew, knew a bunch of people in the soccer world. And, you know, we landed on a guy that we knew – um, knew these agents in Spain who were really interested in the prospect of bringing me over. So they decided to fly out to a game of mine. I had a club game against, uh, it was a friendly against the U.S. national team. They were the U18 U.S. national team, and I was playing for the U18 uh, Patiadores club at the time, and I was 16. 
So they came out to watch that game because, you know, obviously it's a big game against the national team. You know, like I said, there was like Paul, Paul Ariola was there. Um, Corey Baird was there. Guys that are like on the national team now were on that team. And um, they beat us, I think, four to three. But I remember playing left mid that game and like and us getting like hammered three zero at the first half. And then they switched me from left mid to holding mid to get the ball moving from the back to the front. And we ended up scoring three goals. And then they ended up scoring like a PK at the end or some last minute like bullshit goal or something like that. But after that game, the agents saw me and, you know, obviously wanted to talk to me and were interested already. They saw, I'd seen my videos and they were like, wow, yeah, like, you know, you transitioning from your natural left wing position to a holding mid position that you don't know and just pretty much controlling the game and, and dictating tempo like that showed us that, you know, you belong in like a, Spanish environment and like you know they were very keen on bringing me to some clubs out there some division two division one clubs seeing what happened so next thing I know a month later I'm, I'm flying out to Barcelona with my mom and I'm um, having a trial with Espanol's Academy so I was out there I had left school you know I told my principals or whatever and I told them like hey look this is a once in a lifetime like no one gets this opportunity you know so I'm at I'm going to a big club they're like don't worry like finish your work there so I brought all my schoolwork and finished out my junior year there. But, you know, that time I was like, it was a month and a half left of season. So I spent the last month and a half with them um, training with their U16 team, which is the Juvenil B. That's what it's called out there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, uh, they've got their Juvenil A, the B team, the Juvenil B, the Cadete A and all that stuff. <laughs> and uh, I was at the Juvenil B team. And there's actually a guy, uh, Oscar Melendo, who's on that, who was on that team that plays on Espanol's first team now. No shit. He was a, he was a teammate on, of mine, yeah. Jesus. I know. And, and we all knew how good he was, so we knew he would make it eventually. So, we, um, so yeah, and, you know, after my trial ended there, um, they said, you know, well, we're going to look into the, all options to bring you in. We're, you know, we're interested, so we'll you know, keep, your, keep you in touch, and then we'll, we'll let you know. So I came back to L.A. for the summer. And uh, just immediately started training, knowing I was, was going to possibly go out to Barcelona again. And I had, at that time, I was going into my senior year of high school. So I was in the middle of making this decision about whether I wanted to leave my friends, family, everything behind and move out to Barcelona to start a new life at the age of 16, 17, or, you know, possibly just staying here and just being like a normal kid, you know, and just playing soccer here and going to college. But we got the call. We got an email, you know, Espanol, you know, we're ready to sign you. We're ready to bring you in, you know, preseason starts, blah, blah, blah. So immediately I packed my bags and left a few days after. So I left in uh, mid to end July. That summer, I was 16 years old by myself. And um, my agent picked me up from the airport. And we really quick before you go on, just talk about that. Just because I want to give a lot of, I mean, the story is just awesome. But like, yeah. I, obviously, I, I know about it. And I know you personally, so I know you. I know yeah. you. You have like a lot more to say about like just talk about the dude. Like what it what it's like just leaving everything behind, especially at that young age too. Because before, right. before I get into my story, I mean, I left at nineteen to go to Europe, so I was already right. you know a little bit older and matured, but. You know, to leave at 16 by yourself and right. live in another country by yourself is, it's 
crazy. I mean, it's a it's a bold decision. I know, I know. And it's so funny because, you know, before all this happened, before I knew I was moving out, I kind of just like didn't even think about the prospect of me going to the other side of the world to play soccer on my own. You know, that's that's what I'm going there for. I'm leaving everything behind. Didn't even hit me. And then I got to the airport and all of a sudden I'm like getting all emotional and I couldn't really figure out what was going on. I was like, oh, my God, this is actually happening. Like, I couldn't believe it. As soon as I got to the airport and said bye to my parents, I was, like, about to break down. I was like, I couldn't believe what was going on. I was like, is this, did this all actually happen in the past couple of months? Like, I'm actually leaving my family, my friends, my school, like, my community just, just to go and do this. Like, and, you know, I had everyone's support. Everyone was so stoked for me. Like, all my friends were crying. Everyone was crying about it. Like, that I'm leaving. I'm not coming back and all this stuff. And I just, honestly, it, it took me such a long time to adjust to like the life out there and like to adjust to the fact that I wasn't going to come back. So, I mean, I left obviously and I was 16 and I'm on this plane on the way to uh, a country that I had only been to once before, but only with my mom. And, you know, I, I was familiar with it only because my mom was with me and I had my agents with me and now I'm going there on my own. I didn't, I didn't know how to work my phone and all this stuff. And, I get there and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty emotional still. And my, my agent picks me up and takes me to the place I'm staying. You know, the, the club had housing and stuff like that for some of their players. So, you know, I got there and it was an ultimate culture shock. Cause like when I'd gone there before I was staying in hotels, but now I was staying in like actual Spanish homes. And that's like completely different from what, what I'm used to here in LA, you know, like everything's spread out. You're in, you're in big homes, like, you know, you're in bigger properties over there. It's like, you guys are all in buildings, you know, there's smaller quarters, smaller spaces, things like that. And like, that's normal out there. You know, nowadays, like it's normal for me to see that. But like back then I was so young, I didn't know what to expect really. And I was in these small like quarters and, you know, things were different, you know, the toilets were different, like the bed <laughs> different, it smelled different. The food was different, the people. And like, you know, it all just came down on me and like, I remember like crying myself to sleep for like the first two, three weeks every night. I'm not kidding. Like I'd be up to like 4 a.m. just like so sad and like messaging my friends and like texting people, FaceTiming people, just missing everyone. And like, yeah, because it's tough, you know, it's tough when you you're that far away by yourself and you know, it's for a good cause. I mean, you're, you're, you're chasing that dream, but right. at the same time, you're like, well, two things. One, is it worth it? Like, do I have an actual shot? Exactly. And then exactly. two, you're, yeah, you're just, you're, you're missing out on like all everything that your friends are doing. And I mean, we're all yeah. humans. So, you know, I mean, everyone, I, I assume most people listening to this podcast know the term FOMO. And I mean, even when I, and I'll, again, I'll get to my story, but when, you know, when you're missing out on stuff and, you know, you have to go to bed early to wake up for a training that you just probably want to, you don't really want to go to. Yeah. And, and you're seeing your friends, you know, hanging out, just doing whatever, like having fun. And you're seeing that it, you, you just feel like you legit feel lonely. It's kind of, it's fucked in a way. Yeah. It's crazy. And you don't, yeah. you don't even, you don't even know what the term lonely is until, until you're older, you know? And, and then it, it hits you when you're 16 and you're like, holy shit, I'm this young and I'm this alone. Like, how does this work? You know? And you're right. You know, I was, there was social media like blew up during that time period and Instagram, Snapchat, all that shit was there. And 
literally I would see people's Instagrams and Snapchats and I'd be so sad. I'd be like, Oh my yeah. God, they're doing this without me and like all this stuff. And I've been, I realized that everyone's moving on with their lives and I had to, you know, I had to get that out of my mind. I had to stop thinking about everyone at home, my family, my friends. I had to, the girls and stuff that I was talking to at the time. I had to forget about it all because I was like, I'm here for a reason. Um, you know, my, I'd have long talks with my mom and she would talk me through everything like the first couple of weeks I remember. But, you know, once I settled in, I settled in and I settled in pretty nicely. And once you get, I learned at such a young age, once you get out of that, like little, like, you know, bubble that you're in where you're like, oh man, I'm missing out all this stuff. Like what's, what are people doing from home? Once you start get, getting rid of that and figuring out like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. Like, this is my life. It's, it's just about me. Then you'll be okay. Because, you know, if you start thinking about it and like, and dreading it and all this stuff, then you're not going to perform at your best. And I knew I had to, because I remember the first couple of weeks, I was a little bit sluggish, a little bit jet lagged, you know, I couldn't figure out the time difference. And, you know, I, I was like struggling a bit, but after a couple of weeks, you know, I, I started getting used to life and I started enjoying it. I was like, fuck man, I love soccer. Like this is, <laughs> this is, this is why I'm here. Like I was going out there balling out, you know, I had a couple training sessions with the older team. Um, Espanol at the time was exciting because, you know, they had just, um, they had finished really high on the table the year before they got some money injected into them from Puma and this Chinese owner. And then, you know, they got Simao Sambrosa. They got uh, Captavilla, who was this former uh, World Cup winner. You know, they, they had some big names out there. And, you know, I saw these guys in training sessions. You know, I'd be training right next to them. You know, I'd, I'd talk to them. I'd, and just being around that environment, it just made me a, so much better. What's that like? Being able to train, I mean, like inches away from, like you mentioned, like Captavilla, like just, just pr like, professional not just professional players but la liga big time players talent. like yeah no yeah i mean espanol is not a joke of a club like even though you know they don't finish high sometimes like they're they're a team they're a club that's well established you know like have a really good fan base obviously they're overshadowed by barca and the madrids but you know they're still a big club considered in spain so like you know they're, they've been close to getting to europa league and all that stuff but just being around professional players it just makes you want to be better and you you are seeing that someone's better than you already so you're thinking okay i need to do better i need to improve so we'd have you know weight sessions with the first team you know i'd see what they would do you know some guys took it seriously some guys didn't you could tell and then you know after the weights we'd go straight to the field right next door and we'd start training you know put our boots on and start going and the training sessions were tough you know like tough on you not even physically but mentally like they really challenged all their players and, and La Liga is known for their Spanish youth, you know, Spanish, Spanish youth is, has risen the past 10 years, you know, but probably the best youth ha the past 10 years besides, you know, England's led there up there, France is up there, but Spanish youth is some of the best and their academies are the reason why for that, you know, like Barca's, Madrid's, Atletico's, Espanol's, Sevilla's, they have some of the best academies in the world. And, you know, they, it's all based off the Barca model, you know, you know, they start at a young age and they work their way up and the, the way they've been doing it, Espanol, you know, they follow Barca's model. They play the 4-3-3, you know, they, they want to play good soccer and stuff. And that's what taught me how to be so technical. And honestly, when I got to Espanol, I was a great player, but I became exceptional after I left because of all the training and all the professionalism that was around and all that stuff, you know, so. It was a it was an insane experience and 
you know, I, there was uh, many reasons why I came back, you know, one being visa, another one being that I was an international player waiting for my permit and not being able to play any league games yet. So we were just waiting on that. And more months went by where I was sitting there, you know, playing in friendlies and just practicing, not being able to play any league games against, you know, Barcelona and Real Madrid in the youth leagues. So, you know, after about seven months, um, it was close to, I think, November or December where I decided to come home because, one, I wasn't getting any games. And I thought, you know, I figured, you know, might as well go back and finish school before I can come back here. And, you know, I, I was thinking about my high school degree at the time because I, I wasn't even going to school when I was at in Espanol's academy. I was just playing soccer. So, like, I would train in the, in the mornings and then I would have the rest of the day to do nothing. So I wasn't even in school. So, you know, I came back and luckily my school, you know, allowed me to complete different assignments to make up for the semester that I had lost, you know, being in Barcelona. And then I decided to uh, finish out my high school career and play my senior year of high school. And that was the year where I broke the record and pretty much scored or assisted every single game, like two, three goals, two, three assists. And like, it wasn't even against bad opposition. It was just the fact that I had come back from an environment that's considered the best in the world. So obviously I'm going to come back and just rip everyone apart. You know, like I was just scoring goals that I, I had never scored before. I was, I was at a level that I didn't even know I was at. Cause I remember my first game and I was remember how sad I was because I wasn't being able to go back to Barcelona. And I was like, it's okay. Like this high school season will pass. And then, you know, I'll find my next move. No problem. And I was a little bit down and I remember, you know, us being down one zero and I was like, playing a really good game and I was like it's time to turn it on like there's a reason why that you were there show everyone on the field why you're the best player and from that moment on I'll always have that mentality like I'm stepping on the field and I'm the best player so that season every single game I was scoring left and right like there they had teams have two guys man mark me literally two guys at one point man mark me and they still couldn't stop me <laughs> so I was I was hitting corner kicks, free kicks. Like, literally everything was through me that whole season. So, I got, yeah, 43 goals, 20-something assists. And, you know, we, we ended up not having a good year. You know, we ended up getting knocked out early in the playoffs or whatever. But that didn't shape the fact that, you know, my year was unreal. And it was noticed by pretty much every single top college at the time. So, I was getting recruited by UCLA, UCSB, Stanford, you know all the big schools in the East, you know, I can't even tell you Louisville, Akron, Wake Forest was hitting me up, UNC. So like everyone saw like, okay, this one kid in the nation is scoring, I don't know how many goals in high school. Like, let's go, let's go check him out. So I remember getting, you know, a bunch of phone calls and stuff, you know, I was a senior, so they were allowed to call you and stuff. I, I didn't even think about college soccer at the time, but it was time to start thinking of a backup plan just in case that Espanol thing wasn't going to work out anymore. And maybe they moved on because that's how these clubs work out there. You know, they, they find better players or they found, they find a player that's more suited to them or it's easier for them to just have them play rather than have me just wait around for a visa permit or anything like that. So I figured, you know, if I, if I have a backup plan, that'd be good. You know, college could be a good option. I have a couple of years in college and then maybe go to the MLS draft. You know, I thought that that could be a good option. So I, uh, you know, I got a bunch of calls and texts from some top coaches and in the division one program for college. And, you know, I kind of immediately canceled out the whole East coast because I, I kind of, you know, I made up my mind that I wanted to be in California sort of. So, you know, that, that pretty much narrowed it down to a bunch of schools, but you know, Louisville was super, super interested in me. 
UC Santa Barbara was obviously very interested in me and then UC Irvine, UCLA. So I had a game where we were playing our rival, our local rival. And it was, I don't know, it was in the middle of the season. And I, I know that three college coaches were going to come. It was Santa Barbara, Irvine, and, and uh, Louisville. But I didn't know that UCLA or, or um, I think it was Wake, but it could be someone else. But I didn't know that other coaches were going to be there. So there were plenty of college coaches literally just coming to that game to watch me play. They weren't interested in anyone else, and I know that. Like, literally no one else on the field came close to, like, what I was doing. So, like, I knew that they all came to watch me and recruit me. So, obviously, I had to have a lights-out game. And we ended up winning that game 4-2. to two. I got a hat-trick and one assist. So, every single goal came from me. And I capped off the hat-trick with a breakaway, beating three people with pure speed and just chipping the goalie. And, like, that pretty much sealed our win. We ended up winning 4-2. And then I remember, like, that game being, like, okay, like, clearly all these coaches are going to want me after this. So like, I'm going to have to make some decisions and things like that. And honestly, it didn't even phase me. I was like, you know what, whatever happens, happens. I'll, I'll go to whichever school wants me the most kind of, and kind of like settled it through that. And I saw one coach talking to my mom and then I saw another one coaching coach talking to my brother. And then I saw another coach talking to my dad on the other side of the field. And I'm like, Oh God, like, here we go, you know, and all this stuff. And then, my season ended and all, Oh, in the middle of my season, I remember I had to decide fast because of national signing day. And it was in the middle of my season where I decided um, to go with UCSB because I had visited them. You know, they told me, they told me all this stuff, like how I was, I was coming in, you know, they, they really need a forward. They need a fast dynamic winger and things like that. And how I would fit into their system. And at the time they were playing a four, four, two that, so they were like, you know, they're feeding me with, oh, you could play up top, you could play out wide, like we have four positions for you to play in, you know, and all this stuff. So they they pretty much convinced me at that point. So I had signed my letter of intent in February of that year, 2013, I think it was. And, you know, I graduated that year and literally every single coach was after me before that signing day. And it was, it was nice to be wanted, you know, and it was nice to be recognized at that time because everyone was so hyped up on academy players and things like that. And I wasn't an academy player. I was just a player that was playing in high school, but people knew I went to Espanol and things like that. So they wanted to, they definitely wanted me on their team. And then, you know, graduation came and I was getting ready to go to UCSB and, you know, a month after that. So that, that was the whole process with that, but that's pretty much how my level turned from being a great player to an exceptional player and, to being more professional and more mature because being in Spain alone in that environment, it not only made me a better soccer player, but a better person, obviously, you know, just mentally being so strong and being able at any point, if someone, that's how the soccer world is. If at any point a team wants you, you're gone, you know, you're going, that's your, that's your life now, you know, like no one's going to wait around. No one's going to wait for you to get adjusted. You got to go pack your bags, get like the closest things to you and just go wherever you're going and just, immediately settle in somewhere and you have training the next day you know like that's how it's got to be that's how that's what I was used to and that's what made me you know get to that next level coming back and literally just shredding everyone in high school and that's that's pretty much my whole experience and and Espanol and and coming back and that whole uh, process of being selected by some college coaches and things like that but you know 
if there's things that I would do differently, obviously I would. You know, maybe I possibly would have stayed at Espanol. That's what I was going to ask you. I mean, and I know you just went on for a bit there, and I think it's really, you know, valuable and, and also sort of, you know, practical advice that you, you gave just because, you know, it's not often, you know, you get the opportunity to go to Europe. I mean, especially to a legitimate program like that in yeah, La Liga. I mean, it, you, it's so tough to understand, and obviously we've both lived it, it's so tough to understand, you know, how, like, what your mentality is the first time you go out there alone. I mean, you don't, you're just, you're, it's easy to think about, oh, I'm going to just go to Europe and play and I'm going to trial oh, around. And then, then so you actually get there and you're that. like, wait, how the fuck do I get out of the airport? Like, where, where, where's the nearest bus? Like, Dude, you have and, no idea. I mean, you know, you know, yeah. like, it's, it's crazy. Like, you're, you think, like, oh, there's so many players that are, like, like Pulisic. Like, everyone thinks, oh, I can do a Pulisic dad easily. Like, I could just go to Germany at the age of 15 and go and play for Dortmund's Academy and go start a Champions League games. You know, like, if I had that opportunity, I'd be able to do that. But, like, there's players that, that can't even leave their city, you know what I'm saying? Like, they 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 can't step out of their comfort zone and things like that. But people, soccer players growing up, they got to realize, like, you can't – you're never going to be comfortable, you know? You're, there's so many players that randomly get transferred or, like, there's so many players that in the MLS I've seen, like, you know, just getting dropped out of nowhere, you know? Like, you got to be prepared for that stuff. And, you know, being weak mentally, that's not going to help you. You know, you got to be so strong mentally and – experiences like like when i left and did all that stuff you know it it showed me to be a lot stronger mentally and it it kind of like helped me help me like direct myself to like what i really wanted which i after i came back i knew I, that's what i wanted to do i wanted to go back there asap i want to get back there into europe into that system and and play out there because that's where that's where all the best soccer is that's if that's what you love to do and if that's what you want your life to be absolutely europe is like the best place to go to you know do that and like play soccer for the for your, your career like if that's what you want europe is such a good spot to do that you know like that's they live and breathe soccer for sure us us is good you know like you see oh, so many mls players that are doing shit on the sides or like that aren't full-time soccer players you know what i'm saying like usl players like they have side jobs things like that but in and like the passion isn't all the way there yet obviously it's grown but like in Europe, everyone's living and breathing soccer. Like, if that's what you really want to do, you're going out there and you're going to do everything you can to get out there. And I see some Americans that have come, like, from Europe to MLS. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you made it out there and you're saying you want to leave uh, that environment to come here, you know? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Well, like, two, th two things uh, off of that, of what you just said. I think – I do think it's easy to kind of – put down the usl just because it's not viewed as like a big league here yet and i just i mean knowing knowing usl players like i do think they definitely have the problem is they have the passion and they it's like they work so hard like ridiculously hard for so little and that's what kind of turned me off from coming back from europe and not really wanting to pursue you know, playing in the USL just because I, me personally, I just couldn't see a long-term future being set just by playing in the USL. And one thing before I forget, an example just going off of that is, you know, I was trying out 
for a professional team one time and they, it was like an open tryout thing, but there was a lot of good players. I mean, it was open, but you had to really speak to, you know, some coaches to get in and yeah, yeah. there was, yeah. And there was this, I'm, I do, it was so crazy. I can't believe this even happened, but there was this one guy there who said he was in his later thirties and just got dropped from a USL club. And I don't really, I, I don't really want to put out any like, you know, names or uh, teams just because yeah. I don't want to, it's kind of like messed up, but he, he was like, yeah, I mean, I just got released and I'm just, you know, sleeping on my friend's couch right now, just trying to find a new club. And I'm like, okay, this guy's, and I get it's, it's, you should never compare yourself, but at the same time, if you're, and he was considered a very good player, like a very, he had a very important role in his club. And it's just, I mean, it's crazy how you, you can be, you know, that old and you're living on someone's couch trying to just get that next contract. And I feel like it's just a, a never ending cycle. And yeah, I just, it is. I, you know, as much as I love playing, I wanted to, you know, also like, I guess, I mean, I do have ambitions of, you know, like starting a family and like, you know, getting a house, all that stuff. And you just can't really do that on, a, a, I mean, for, and from what I've read, you can't really do that on a USL salary. And, you know, yeah, obviously, you, I, you absolutely can't unless yeah. you're unless you're the best, unless you're considered. I mean, you don't even have to be the best player because there's players that get paid like the most on their teams that aren't the best players on USL teams and MLS teams. So like, you you said something that was like spot on. You work way too hard for so little, and, and there's too much risk too. I mean, obviously, too much risk. You get dropped. Like, perfect example. What just happened to me. Uh, I'm at, I'm like, I was trying out for teams and stuff. You know, I got so many calls after the last uh, college season in December. DC United, I went out there. Um, Sac Republic, OCSC, you know, these are like MLS, USL, and then Toronto Twos is another one I was talking to. So I'm on this trial with OCSC for a month and a half. You know, they called me in early December. Hey, we're, tra- we're training already. We're getting ready for next season. We want you to come out. You know, we know a lot about you, blah, blah, blah. They had seen me play in PDL earlier that summer, and I was like, I was there, I was interested. Obviously, it's a team that's interested in me. They're a pro team. I'm gonna go check it out. And environment was good, level was good, and talking to some of the guys, they're not happy. You know, they're not happy at all. And they're they're talking about guys that OC is bringing in from Europe and stuff like that. And they're sitting there laughing. I'm like, they're like, why are these guys coming here to play soccer? You know, and these these are well established pros. They just signed a guy, Forrester. He played on Rangers in, in Scotland. That's a big team, you know? Yeah. They pay good money. I'm thinking, why is this guy coming from <laughs> such a good team to come play at OCSC in Orange County, California, in the U.S.? Well, you, 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 I mean, you answered it right there. He's, he's moving from Scotland, where I assume the weather isn't the best, and you're moving to pretty much the best weather in the world. And Okay. If, if this guy is coming to play soccer here just for the weather, then he has some serious issues. But... The thing is, this guy... I disagree, but go on. Okay. Anyway, yeah, yeah just go on. I understand, if, I understand, yeah, if you want to come and, like, and change your environment, be it a better, nice, but that's nice the problem. But that's the problem, though. Like, you don't hear people saying, it, like, like talented professionals in Europe going, oh, I want to play in La Liga because of the weather. Like, no, you want to play no, in La Liga yeah, because it's the best standard. And, like, if Who's you- going to say that? No one. Yeah. No normal person would say that. But... So I'm, and then I'm listening to the, the, the guys on the first team talk because I'm training with them and we're in the locker room afterwards and they're like, yeah, we just signed him. He's good. This one English guy was like, yeah, he's a good lad. Yeah, he's, 
great player. You know, he's he's a good winger, fast. You know, and he's like, what's he trying to do? One of the guys was like, what's he trying to do? He's trying to get to the MLS. He's like, yeah, yeah, he's trying to get to the MLS. He's like, well, he better freaking break this goal scoring record this year, or else that's not gonna happen. And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, yeah, you're absolutely right. Now that I think about it, Cameron Lancaster was the top goal scorer last year, in uh louisville fc and he got a first class ticket to another usl team right after that and he broke the record for most goals in the usl how does that work the most he got was an offer from new england revolution who is a which is a dying mls club by the way he got an offer from them and it was 500k for the year or something like that which you know that's great money of course or no, I don't even know if it was 500k for the year. I think it was way, way. That's a lot for even for MLS. That's a I think, lot, dude. 500K I think 500k was the allocation money or something like right. that. Right, it had to have been. Know. Yeah, it had to have been that. But he's he was getting like some some whatever contract for New England Revolution for being the top goal scorer in the USL, which is a league that could possibly be a little bit harder to play in than MLS. Let me just state we before you go on. Let me just put this out there too. Because it, it seems like like we're obviously being very critical, but at the same time, if you're okay with not making a lot, and I mean you're just kind of pl- not—I don't want to say playing it by ear, but you're just taking it year by year, and you just love playing, and you're not really focusing on your future that, like as seriously as some other m- people might be. Then I-, I say like go for it, but I always want to remind people like just be aware, j- just just be astute and know you know it, if you're just gonna be playing on a very low wage you're gonna i think eventually you need to start looking for other sources or streams of income just because of course yeah you know. yeah other other jobs and stuff like that and yeah i'm not putting that guy down the guy who scored and right cameron lancaster at all i'm just that's just an example of like like what the process is for you to get from a usl level to an mls level like yeah, there's a lot of outlets to get to the MLS and things like that. College, uh, academy now, you know, starting off at the USL and then, and then maybe working your way up. But you're, you said it, it's so much hard work for so little. And, like, I'm not saying money is everything, but you need to fucking live. You need to be able to live yeah. every day and eat and have a house for yourself or whatever. So, like, just the fact that it's so difficult, like they were saying, oh, yeah, this guy coming in from Rangers. What's he trying to do? Go to the MLS? Oh, he's got to score 35 goals this season in 25 games in order to do that and be seen from the USL to the MLS. So, like, that's why I kind of, like, I had some, like, mixed reviews on that. And, obviously, OC, they they released me, like, right before their preseason started just because they were getting guys from MLS that were on loan and they'd rather have, like, guys with professional experience already and things like that. But, I mean – like even that man like i was i was out there and i was training with their team and things like that the level is great but it's it's nothing compared to what it's like in europe and that's why i think that like europe is like the place to go if you're a young and aspiring footballer and you're trying to really really make a name for yourself there's guys that are 17 16 in fc dallas's academy and 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 uh other academies in the mls that are making moves to academies out there because they know how important it is and how how much bigger they will be like making it in europe and making those first teams there in the bundesliga or something like that rather than being here and getting a minimum contract as a as a youth player as an academy player i think what helps sorry i I think what helps too though is obviously i I think social media is a big part and we can definitely you know talk about this on another podcast just because i want to you know sort of break this up and 
um, you know, just do more podcasts with you just because I know we have, you know, good chemistry and, you know, it'll be fun. But, you know, I, I think, you know, lastly, before we wrap this up, like we'll just talk about, you know, the power of social media now, because even, you know, when you went out to Espanol, like, I feel like coaches weren't taking social media that seriously. But for example, if you have a big following and you can attract eyes to your page, you know, it's, it's not rocket science. Like these coaches do look at that. And if you have talent and you're putting in the work, you're going to get scouted and you're going to, you know, it's going to work. for Yeah. Yeah. I think like in terms of social media, like what you just said, I think it's to an extent when you're a youth player, you know, like, I don't think, like, when you're a youth player, like, necessarily coaches are like, oh, this guy has 5,000 followers, like, oh, he's going to bring popularity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, with that, I like, just meant, you know, it, it, it could only help just because if you have a big following, like, you, yeah, never, know exactly. who's, you never know who's in the loop or, you know, who's going to be, right, right. you know, looking at your page. It definitely, yeah, I would, it would definitely wouldn't hurt to have, like, a good social media following and, like, you know, maybe uploading YouTube account, YouTube videos on your YouTube account or, like, uploading highlights and putting it on your Instagram profile and like, you know, just putting little like stories of your, of your goals and assist things like that. Like that definitely helps. And a good example of that actually in a more broader sense is um, Espanol. Actually, it's so funny. Espanol just signed the Chinese super league. Like uh, he's a forward from the, from China. He's a Chinese player. And obviously we all know China's has a massive following now for soccer you know, their, their market is insane. And Espanol was very, very smart in bringing this guy in. They needed a forward and they needed him for, you know, they needed to make an investment to, to grow their club and to also bring in some talent. So they bring in this Chinese forward. I don't know his name. Can't pronounce it. But he's a really big time forward in China, has a big following and is in the Chinese national team. And we all know how much Chinese love football. And he comes to Espanol and Within their first ga- first game, they had forty million more viewers than their last. Dude, game. it's ridiculous. I mean, that, and that's so, that's definitely <laughs> that's what I've been seeing. Like, you see it on every you know professional club social media. You see how they're so interactive now with the fans, and that's a, another great point. Is you know how the fans can easily reach out to the players and get involved with the players, and I think you know. Playing myself, I mean, I never had, you know, fans come up to me. I've never signed an autograph, but I understand, it, on the other hand, it, it is going to be a little bit more hectic and, you know, just not as fun for the pros because they're going to just get, you know, bombarded every day expecting to answer this DM and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. shake this hand, I mean, sign that autograph, take that photo. But but at the same time, that's what they signed up for and they – they definitely know, you know, that's what that's what comes with it, with it. But I'm also empathetic yeah. to how, like, do that, and that's why. I mean, you and I, we we both we're not just last week for everyone listening right now. We went to a, a game, LAFC versus uh, that Japanese team that Iniesta and David Villa play for, and Podolski. Shout He's out so to Kobe, also yeah. shout big shout out to Podolski for giving a exclusive proper football interview. Insane, it was unbelievable. And uh, <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> Like, even when we were, you know, standing by Iniesta and David Villa, we easily could have asked for their autograph. And, like, there were other people there doing that. But we, you know, I, just for future reference, if you guys, if you guys ever, for people listening, if you ever want to, and if you're younger and you 
you meet a professional and you get, you know, like weak at the knees, don't go asking for a photo. Like honestly, the most, the coolest thing you can do in terms of a memory is have a conversation and just like maybe say one meaningful thing, why you like them and then just have a conversation and then they'll, you know, I don't know, man, it's, it, it just feels so much more. Yeah. They're, everywhere, even when they walk outside, like they're just, 10 people up to them with their phones saying like, you know, asking for a selfie or whatever. And it just yeah, it's don't, annoying. You don't want to be, if you're a soccer player aspiring to be like the guy that you're about to meet, you don't want to be like, Oh my God, let me get, an yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me get a photo. <laughs> like, like pretty much, I mean, Via was there. You were there when I saw yeah. Via, you know, Via, you know, is my idol. Literally I model my entire game after David Villa and Fernando Torres. So like not even Messi or Ronaldinho, but David Villa and Fernando Torres. So like seeing Via, obviously I was a little bit starstruck even though I've seen literally every single yeah. big soccer player in the world and met and had conversations with, but seeing Via for me was massive. And, you know, I didn't even want the photo that I got, but we were lucky enough to get it. Yeah. But I wanted, I, all I wanted to tell him was that he was my idol, which I did, you know, he saw me, he, gave, yeah. he like, he gave me a little hug, handshake and stuff. Cause he had noticed me earlier looking at him and he, he like respected that more than me going up to him and like, you know, just bothering him bothering him like yeah. everyone else but like like those guys going back to our point about you know social media and like having big influences like for different countries those guys are really smart because those three and yes the Polsky and via um know that one they'd get good money at visa kobe but also their popularity would grow double oh you my know, god Japanese yeah people love football it's growing in that country too. They didn't want to just be like everyone else going to China, you know, like there's plenty of guys in China, but now Torres is in Japan and yes, the via those guys. So like that brought so much, like we wouldn't know who Vsel Kobe is unless it was for Podolsky and yes, then via, we wouldn't know who they are, you know, like guys in America, but we see that those players are going there. So we know that club now and that club has gained popularity just because those players have transferred there. So pretty much like I was going to say this earlier, but like, you see all the Americans going to German Bundesliga and all that stuff. And that's big for those clubs like Dortmund. You know how many American fans are Dor Dortmund fans now because of Pulisic and what he's done. And then how many people know who Schalke is now just because of Weston McKinney. Oh like, my God. Yeah. He put, people talk to me about it and they're like, Oh, we see, we see guys in Germany and things like that. I'm like, yeah, like now, you know who Schalke is, which is one of the biggest clubs in Germany in German history. So, like, people like that wouldn't even know who that is. So, I think what Ger Germany is doing is very, very smart. I think what Chelsea did in buying Pulisic is even smarter, bringing an American to the EPL. They already have amazing TV rights for the EPL for all Americans to watch. But bringing an American that's, like, a prospect that's supposed to be our best player, you know, is, is massive for a club like Chelsea. You know, they'll get a big, big American following after that, especially, I mean, they already do. But now you're going to start seeing these Americans coming up 16 17 year olds coming up in the youth academy systems and having those these clubs know that having a player of this nationality is big for their clubs and making money and all these clubs want to do in the end of the day is win and make money so having that popularity having the tv rights having play, people buy their jerseys solely because they're having these players come in like i guarantee you espanol sold i don't know how many jerseys after they signed that chinese guy you know what i mean so like now that the bundesliga is doing it hopefully we get La Liga, I mean, La Liga had a, an American, but, you know, he kind of fell off a little bit. So, I mean, but if they bring in more Americans in La Liga, La Liga will grow in America even more. 
if, if you start seeing some Americans in Syria, ah, League One, you know, EPL, you know, the popularity will grow. And that's that comes with like other nationalities too, not just Americans, but, you know, like, like the Espanol uh, example is like a perfect example, you know, like it's just the, in terms of social media and like the people that you sign, like, I feel like, you know, if you sign someone big in a different country, all those people in that country are going to start following your social media account, your club's account, things like that buying your jerseys, bringing you profit, things like that. So it's, it's, uh, it's a crazy world. It's a crazy market and there's lots of money in it. And all these clubs want is just to grow and, and make their clubs known and profitable, you know, and that's, that's the aim that they're trying to get at and, and win trophies, obviously. But it, there's so much, there's so much politics in it. There's so much background into it. And like, we're, again, we're still behind, you know, it took, it told, People are saying, oh, we've caught up to Europe. No, we haven't even yeah. gotten close, dude. Like, no way. MLS, USL, the level may have gotten higher. The popularity, the fans, things like that. Like, Atlanta United, such a big club now. Like, what a massive club that is that we just got in our in our league the past two years. But, dude, like, we can't even compare ourselves to Europe yet. You know, we got we to gotta fix some something. I still think the promotion relegation thing's off. I think that the way that they have the college draft and things like that i think that's yeah i mean it's it's kind of it's it's not very good you can ask any mls coach what they think of the college draft and they will all say the same thing last year out of the whole draft i think only two or three guys guys got decent minutes in mls and that's out of i don't know how many kids you know like 80 90 so like that's not very good numbers and maybe college isn't the right route for some players to get to the mls you know some some players are probably so good in college that don't get it well that's that's the thing too i think I think that, and I'm, this will be just like the last point because we got to wrap yeah, up, yeah. but yeah. Um, just to end it with that in regards to college, and I like the next uh, podcast that we do just to, I, I really like to touch on the college aspect yeah, of the yeah. game. We'll, but definitely, we'll definitely get I, into that. I'll, I'll let you know about everything. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, so private <laughs> football fans, if you want to know the college soccer experience, I mean, this guy's literally lived it all and done it. And, I lived it for a year, two, and it two was two different colleges. Yeah, two, so two different coaches, two different experiences, and and um, there's a lot to be said. But what I wanted to end on is, you know, I college soccer is really good. And don't get me wrong, like the level is good enough. And for me, I think if you really, if you're really desperate and you want, I don't want to say desperate, but if you're really hungry and you have that drive to be the best player you can be. I'll I'll elaborate more on the next podcast, but I think the best way to do it is to either get homeschooled or to do online classes and then play seven days a week with a semi-pro team while training on your own. I mean, if you're not, you're you're just yeah, not going to yeah. get better when you're like, yeah, you're, you're you are training often in college, but the season is so short that there's such a big gap in between you know, the, the off season and then preseason. So oh my God, dude. that if you don't take it seriously, yeah. So if you don't take that <laughs> seriously, it could really mess you up. But guys, thank you so much for listening to the very first proper football podcast. I was really happy to, uh, you know, have my good friend Armand on and it was great to touch on some very different topics, but we'll, de- we have so much more in store. It's unbelievable. So, um, oh, yeah. yeah. Thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for having me.